Welcome to the Ground Game Podcast. I'm your host, Bushido Squirrel, and today we're sitting down with me to talk knock endorsements. Now, as you know, because I mention it a lot, we also run knockla.com. We got together with the editorial staff, with our ground game team members, and we decided who we wanted to see make it through to November. Now, this is not like a definitive or super comprehensive guide by any stretch of the imagination. Remember, California is a massive, massive state. We've covered a couple of races in San Francisco. The rest of them are going to be LA County exclusive, as well as the top of the ticket state level races and all of the ballot propositions. Uh, This is kind of a complicated election because California elections are always that way. And we'll do our best to explain the nuance and kind of walk you through it. But I'm also going to direct you to the home pages of any of the candidates that we endorse because we don't necessarily want you to just take our word for it. We're here to point you down the path that we think is right, but we don't want to be the end-all be-all of who's telling you what to do. This is always a collaborative effort. Even if that collaboration is just me saying, hey, go check out this candidate, and then you going and doing your own research, and maybe not even deciding to vote for that candidate, but learning more about the race, about what's making it up, what's important in your district, what's important in the state, what kind of issues are proving to be contentious. This is the information that we want to arm you with so you can go out and arm the people around. The primary is coming up on June 5th, and the general election will be held on November 6th. Mail-in ballots for the primary have gone out and may be mailed in up to the day of the election or brought to a polling station day of. If you need to find your polling place, please visit www.sos.ca.gov elections slash polling hyphen place. The deadline to register to vote in the primary is May 21st, and you can register online at registertovote.ca.gov. Now, before we get into the actual ballot, we have some news and happenings from around the Southland. In a labor victory, the Los Angeles County Public Defenders have moved to unionize. Los Angeles has the oldest and largest public defender's office in the country. Currently, there are 658 attorneys in more than 30 offices across the county. Last week, the organizers officially filed for union recognition and will be on the agenda of the Employee Relations Committee of the County Board of Supervisors in June. If successful, they will form a local chapter under AFSCME, which is the Association of Federal, State, County, and Municipal Employees. Organizers have argued that more than anything else, being unionized will allow them to more diligently defend their clients and exercise more political leverage. Much of this effort was born out of the appointment of a new interim head of the office who came with no experience as a public defender. Not to toot our own horn too much, but friend of the show and Ground Game LA team member Akio Katano led the charge and won a huge victory for labor and justice in Los Angeles. As always, if there is anything you want us to know about, be made aware of, or attend, please reach out to us on Facebook or Twitter. We are at Ground Game LA. And now we're going to move on to the endorsements. Now I'm going to confess that originally we didn't plan on doing this. We had talked about it a bit and kind of figured that we'd sit this one out. Maybe do something for November, but then people start asking us, because we talk a lot about politics. And that makes people think you know a lot about politics, and then they ask you about politics. And then the only thing to do is to learn about politics so you don't look foolish. Ipso facto, here we are. The statements on knock are personal voting statements, whereas here we have a collaborative effort to put together a list that we're all happy with and people that we think that you should vote for. Now remember, California has a top two primary, so that means the top two vote getters in all of these races will move on to November, where they will actually vie for the office. So there's not a lot of vote splitting that you have to worry about here. There's no strategic voting that you have to work for. This is just an election for another election. For races where we could not decide who to vote for, We will generally tell you who not to vote for, an endorsement, if you will. But enough of the setup, we're going to start at the top of the ballot and work our way down. For California governor, we're endorsing Delane Easton. Much of this race is focused on longtime political names like Newsom, Villaraigosa, and Chang. In total, there are 27 candidates running, so it's a crowded but not overall competitive race. Established names have been garnering far more attention this year, and Easton's campaign is being seen as a very credible contender. 
While there are many things to admire in the crop of other candidates, Delane Easton has risen to the top for us for her radical approaches to education, justice reform, and the environment. Easton has picked up endorsements from major progressive organizations across the state and promises to force a conversation on inequality in the vein of Senator Sanders if she moves on to the November general election. For more information, visit DelaneEastonForGovernor.com. For Lieutenant Governor, we are endorsing Gail McLaughlin. Before Gavin Newsom's ascension to the office, the Lieutenant Governor was largely seen as a powerless role, but Newsom has shown the amount of power that can be wielded from the seat and changed the calculus around the race. Gail McLaughlin is the former mayor of Richmond, California, where she championed several progressive successes, including raising the town's minimum wage to $15 an hour. Gail is running without a party affiliation or corporate money, which has earned her endorsements from the Democratic Socialists of America and Our Revolution, and we want to see her move on to November. Visit galeforcalifornia.org to learn more. Now for the next four races on the ticket, Secretary of State, Controller, Treasurer, and Attorney General, we don't really have either an endorsement or an endorsement. We don't really have any strong guidance to provide you one way or the other. Uh, current incumbent Secretary of State Alex Padilla, it seems fine-ish, but maybe you want to change. For the current incumbent Attorney General, Javier Barcera, maybe you've been a fan of his efforts to fight the Trump administration and their deportation engine. Either way, we can't really tell you the right or wrong way to go on this one. The next one down is the Superintendent of Public Instruction. This year's California Democratic Party convention left several key races without endorsements, but Tony Thurman was one of the lucky few to walk away with the nod. He is a member of the Assembly serving District 15. Before that, he worked in education and studied social work. He previously served on the Contra Costa County School Board. We're endorsing Tony because he's a strong advocate for public education when it is being challenged by the moneyed interest of privatizing, well, everything. He's conveniently on the web at TonyThurman.com. For U.S. Senate, we're only going to offer an endorsement for Dianne Feinstein. Look, I could literally go on for double the length of Feinstein's Senate career, which would be like forever times two, about why she does not need to be sent back to Washington. There are some great candidates in the race, so we'll point you towards Allison Hartman and David Hildebrand and Pat Harris. We're taking a soft pass on De Leon, but he's also not Dianne Feinstein, so let that not go unnoticed. So for Senate, anyone but Dianne Feinstein, but we're skewing progressive. Also, there's a Nazi running. He goes by the name Patrick Little. Do not vote for the Nazi. Now, moving down to the county level for Los Angeles, we have no endorsement for sheriff, but we will note that Alex Villanueva has committed to stopping cooperation with ICE, for what that's worth. Then again, this is a hard race. They're all cops. You're not going to vote for somebody in this race that's not a cop, so take that as you will. Moving further down the ballot, we arrive at the races for Congress. There have been some very confident predictions that Democrats will make gains in the House this year, if not completely win it back. Tuesday night across the country saw several progressive and even socialist candidates win their primaries, something that opens up the door to pushing California even further to the left. Several vulnerable GOP incumbents have moved to retire or step down, unsettling previously solid Republican districts and perhaps setting the stage for a Democrat versus progressive general election. California's 12th congressional district is currently held by Nancy Pelosi, current minority leader of the House and former Speaker of the House. The Bay Area is critical in terms of innovation and dysfunction. Nancy can't provide the balance between her constituents and her multinational corporate donors. Shahid Buttar is far and away a superior choice in this race. As a lawyer, he was at the forefront of fighting for equality in marriage and defending against religious and racial profiling. During his time at Stanford Law School, he advocated for environmental reforms and led direct actions against the 2003 invasion of Iraq. Nancy Pelosi is wrong about almost everything. She has staked out positions that are not only wildly unpopular, but also completely disastrous. Shahid is a welcome change and a credible challenge to an incumbent used to spending her way to victory. To read more about Shahid, visit shahidforchange.us. 
Steve Knight of California's 25th district is one of the most reactionary members of Congress, and he does not deserve another shot at the seat in November. There are two Democrats running in this race, but it is a clear and easy choice who to pick. We endorse Katie Hill. Katie is local to the district, but brings a perspective informed by her work with some of LA's most vulnerable residents. As executive director at People Assisting the Homeless, PATH, she grew the organization nearly tenfold, making it the largest nonprofit provider of homes to the homeless in the state. As we cover constantly, Los Angeles is in the midst of a housing crisis, and in order to solve it, we need national leadership that understands and advocates for local issues. Katie can be that advocate. To see who else has endorsed her bold campaign, visit katiehillforcongress.com. The 30th District, situated in the Valley, currently has Brad Sherman representing their interests, but he has done a terrible job of that. For many people, it has flown under the radar, but Mr. Sherman has been beset by scandals this year. Allegations of sexual misconduct against Matt DeBobna in turn led to scrutiny of Sherman's congressional office, DeBobna having previously worked for Sherman. Former staffers described a toxic environment that suffered from Sherman's lack of leadership. John Peltzer represents a real change in the district. John is a Berniecrat. Healthcare, education, and the environment are what he focuses on. Well, I think it all starts with those of us running for office. Um, the key points of my campaign are not only taking the money out but getting the people back in, but that's another issue. Um, but if we can get people in Congress who are not controlled, then it will all fall into place. And because Citizens United and reversing that is such a heavy lift, worthy, but heavy, um, and public financing is also a lift, worthy, but heavy, running without any special interest money and being successful I think is the best thing we can do right now because it'll encourage others to do the same. And until we have people in positions of power in office who aren't beholden, we're going to be in the situation. It's not going to change. He has a distinct vision and a confident path forward. He's also a political novice who can make the November ballot about real issues. Sherman has shown the harm done when politicians entrench and ignore the interests of the community. To learn more about John, visit PeltzerForCongress.com. It always seems like it's about to be that time when someone actually sends a green to Congress. And while that may still be forestalled, it's time for us to send a green to November. Kenneth Mejia is running in the 34th district and he is a strong community advocate. He has consistently shown his dedication to serving everyone in Los Angeles and he deserves the chance to make his case in November. You can find him at MejiaForCongress.com. Tony Zarkadis is challenging defense industry darling Dana Rohrbacher in California's 48th district in Orange County. A veteran of the U.S. Marine Corps, he is advocating for renewed investment in education, health care, and jobs. While not our ideal candidate, he is a more solid choice than anyone else in the race. But above all, we want to give a firm endorsement to Dana Rohrbacher. Send him packing at all costs. You can learn more about Tony by visiting TonyZForCongress.org. Daryl Issa, another GOP reactionary, has announced that he will not seek re-election to California's 49th district which is unfortunate because he's sticking around until the end of his term. Among the contenders for the seat, Doug Applegate stands out. He is a retired Marine colonel who has made veterans care a focus of his campaign. He is definitely experienced and will bring a better sense of propriety to the job than ISA ever has. Head over to AppleGateForCongress.com for more info. While California's assembly has been solidly democratic for a while, there is still a disconnect between our local needs and state priorities. 
We are championing local candidates who have proven their commitment and who we trust to follow through. This is not a comprehensive list. With 80 assembly seats and 60 state senate seats, it was just too much for us to cover entirely for the primaries. So here are our selections. Assembly District 45 in the Valley has seen some dramatic turns this cycle, with a special election triggered earlier by Matt DeBobney's resignation and a hotly contested primary. But throughout the tumult, Ankur Patel has shown himself to be a worthy candidate. That 2016 election has um, ramifications, obviously, and the pushback from the Women's March to where we're going now, um, the inertia is is really good. People are not standing up to the culture of corruption, the culture of powerful people getting away with whatever it is that they were, from sexual assault to corruption. This is part of this, I, I hope, realization, this raising of public consciousness, this engagement of people in our politics, right? I believe in an informed citizenry, and that's part of the the purpose of this campaign and connecting to all these other folks who believe in similar stuff. And that's the, that's that's where the real juice and the energy is at. Anker's focus on education is rooted in his experience working for LAUSD, experience that we need in Sacramento. To learn about Anker, head over to AnkerForAssembly.com. Steve Dunwoody is a veteran and environmental activist running to represent the 54th Assembly District, which is, is actually my district. I will be voting for him. So this is a, you know, do as I do, not just as I say sort of scenario. You know, my name is Steve Dunwoody, and I'm a veteran environmental community advocate. Um, I, um, for the last few years, have been working as California director of an organization called the Vet Voice Foundation that works to use the voices of veterans to speak out on public policy issues like the environment, health care, civil rights, LGBT rights, housing, education, and a whole host of other things as well. Um, but it's particularly because of my environmental advocacy that I took a look at getting into this race. Um, we in our in the 54th district are home to the largest uh, urban oil drilling field in the country, the Inglewood oil field. And uh, because of the activities, the fracking and other chemicals being used there, folks in the closest areas near the oil field of Culver City, Baldwin Hills, and some of the other areas around Inglewood are um, getting sick um, with asthma and in some cases cancer. So we need strong advocacy at the state level um, around this issue to find a long-term solution to protect the health of our communities and then push towards renewable energy um, that and stopping the activities like fracking and other kinds of things going on there too. He has a proven record of working with the community to advocate for environmental justice. Sidney Kamlinger, the winner of the special election, is a very strong candidate who comes with big establishment credentials. While she seems earnest in her progressive ideals, it is hard to not notice the donations from large developers and interest groups that we frequently oppose. Steve instead has drawn on the community and earned the endorsement of the Democratic Socialists of America Los Angeles, as well as ours. Head over to DunwoodyForCalifornia.com for more info. Now we're going to cover judicial races. Now these races are often overlooked, and they are numerous, so we're not able to cover all of them. But we are going to point you towards candidates that we think can bring Los Angeles to better outcomes through resisting money bail and seeking restorative justice solutions. Candidates with community experience and a commitment to reform. Due to the large number of candidates, our endorsements are light on biographical details, but the Los Angeles County Bar Association has vetted all the candidates, and you can head over to lacba.org to read their decisions for more in-depth information. So, for Superior Court of Los Angeles County, Office 4, we're endorsing Veronica Sauceda. For Office 16, we're endorsing Sydney Michelle. For Office 20, Wendy Segal. For Office 60, 
Holly Hancock, who also did an interview with us that you should check out. Well, I look I look at the whole person, and that also includes, especially for the felony cases that are longer, that I'm looking at their families, I'm looking at what's going to happen to them in the future, you know, when you're defending. Like, uh, during that same time, you know, um, it became the uh, thing of the day, du jour, to take a juvenile and put them in a felony or adult court, and also that would mean they would be going into um, adult prison. Um, so, you know, you had to look at where they were coming from. You had to look at who was, um, you know, who was in front of you. It wasn't just the person because they're, they're going to go in. If, if they're going to go in, if they're going to take a plea, you're trying to get the best plea. If they're going to go to trial, you've got to know what your chances or odds are and what what can be the outcome so you've got to look at the family you've got to look at the family unit if there is a family unit what you know what can they do for themselves to help themselves when they get out if they get out how they get out so it, it, it's it's a lot of that as well and um I think that I look at every law, there's so many collateral consequences to going to prison. There's so many collateral consequences to really being a juvenile and being locked up Mm -hmm. during some of your very formative years. Mm -hmm. And um, so you really, um, I think you really, you work with social workers, you work with, um, if needed, mental health professionals, you work with, um, you do your own investigations. So you come from a position where you're looking at the whole. And you don't just take what um, the prosecutor or the police agency has presented. You've got to do your own investigation. For Office 63, we have no endorsement. For Office 67, Maria Armendariz. For Office 71, David Berger. Office 113, we have no endorsement. Office 118, David Diamond. Office 126, Renee Caldwell-Gilbertson. For Office 146, Armando Duron. Lastly, we're going to cover the ballot propositions. Now, due to time constraints, we're only covering the statewide ballot initiatives, though around Los Angeles County, there are a couple dozen municipal initiatives on the June 5th ballot. Many of them are bond issuances or other city finance issues, and I would encourage you to look into your own measures on your ballot on your own. The June 5th ballot will feature five statewide measures that could each have significant impacts on the way the state operates. First up is Proposition 68. Proposition 68 is a $4 billion bond measure to provide revenue for conservation, protection, and environmental cleanup efforts. The bond is split into three categories. $1.6 billion for protecting clean water and increasing water supplies. $1.3 billion to be invested in our state parks. $1.2 billion for conservation and to guard against climate-related impacts on our natural resources. Prop 68 comes with a long list of endorsements from nearly every major figure in state government, as well as environmental and community groups. It has become apparent that the federal government under the Trump administration is not interested in doing the work to protect our water supplies, our natural resources, or our citizens from pollution and climate change. The state of California should take bold steps to ensure stewardship over these invaluable assets. Yes on 68 is an easy call for us to make. To learn more, visit yes68.ca. Proposition 69 aims to protect funds raised from fuel taxes and vehicle fees, largely under SB1, from being spent on non-transportation initiatives. Without these protections, we will see a raft of legislation aiming to divert these funds when they are sorely needed to address our crumbling road infrastructure. For the most part, it is a non-controversial stance. Again, Prop 68 enjoys robust support from almost every leader in state government, as well as a coalition of stakeholders in transportation, labor, and local government. 
So vote yes on 69 to see that our roads and infrastructure can be safely maintained. For more, visit yes on prop69.com. Proposition 70 would require a legislative supermajority, two-thirds of both houses of the state legislature, to spend funds raised by California's cap-and-trade system. Our cap-and-trade system was enacted in 2012 and set strict limits on the amount of greenhouse gas emi- greenhouse gas emissions that businesses can emit, with that amount decreasing over time. Businesses can either reduce their emissions or buy credits from other businesses that are under the limit. The program got off to a rocky start, but is now seen as largely successful, which is why the oil industry has backed Prop 70 as an end run around the pollution regulation. If Prop 70 is enacted, any money raised would be deposited into an escrow account and could not be spent unless 66% of the state legislature agrees, something that is a near impossibility and would effectively embargo those funds. Prop 70 is an obvious attempt to deceive the voters of the state by framing the issue in terms of financial responsibility and governance instead of around reducing pollution and punishing polluters. Prop 70 is opposed by almost every major stakeholder in the state that is not beholden to the oil industry, and that is a good indication of who would benefit from its adoption. Don't let the oil industry weaken our oversight. We cannot stress this enough. No on 70. To learn more about opposing Prop 70, visit StopProp70.org. Proposition 71 aims to standardize the enactment of ballot measures in the state of California. Proponents argue that having ballot measures be enacted the day after they pass could lead to misunderstandings and confusion. They base their argument on the idea that mail-in ballots often take longer to count and that in the case of an incredibly close election could alter the official results, i.e. a measure could pass on election day but then actually be below the threshold when mail-in and provisional ballots are fully counted weeks later. While we understand the desire to bring clarity to this part of state law, we disagree that this is the solution. To wit, the 2016 election saw voters in California legalize marijuana. At midnight after the election, that became the law of the land, meaning the police could no longer unjustly arrest people for possession or use of marijuana. If Prop 70 were law, then we would have had six weeks of further criminalization to deal with. Perhaps I am cynical, but I would not imagine the most law enforcement offices would ramp down their efforts during those six weeks. Instead, they would probably push to arrest more people for what the voters have decided is not a crime. In L.A. County, RDA refuses to release people currently incarcerated on nonviolent marijuana charges, something that should be self-evident. If law enforcement is that disdainful of the voters' will, we must assume that they will always act to aggressively criminalize anyone they can, and they should not be given the benefit of the doubt. Prop 71 leaves open the very real possibility that actual harms will be allowed to continue in the name of legal formalism, an unacceptable trade-off. When it comes to tax measures and other ballot measures that could stir confusion, the simple fix is to stipulate that those laws can only take effect after the waiting period, something that could be legislated or simply written in by the architects of future ballot measures. While we understand that this position does not align with many of our allies, we are endorsing a no on Prop 71. There actually aren't any places online to learn about opposing Prop 71, and it has received very little attention, a sign that we should not let this ballot measure sneak its way into becoming law. Proposition 72 excludes rain capture systems from being used during property tax reassessments. Basically, if you install a rain capture system on your property, you won't see a bump in your property taxes from that improvement. Capturing rainwater and building reserves are important in guarding against drought, and we want to encourage property owners to invest in these systems. We are endorsing yes on Prop 72, which is apparently everyone's stance. There is literally no listed opposition to Proposition 72. So that one should be a slam dunk. So that covers our endorsements for the June 5th primary. 
while not comprehensive, we hope that this has been useful. KnockLA.com has a condensed list version of our endorsements, as well as statements from our editors that you can check out. We will be back with a bigger and better guide for November, and we look forward to hearing from you about what matters to you when you go to the polls. Also, if you enjoyed this guide and want to see us expand our efforts, head over to patreon.com slash knock underscore LA and toss us a couple of bucks. We are currently raising money to pay our writers, contributors, and expand the scope of our coverage. Your support makes that possible, and we couldn't build this without you. So go forth and vote hard, comrades. From the